Wednesday, October 10th was World Mental Health Day. Mental Health Day is a day for global mental health education, awareness, and advocacy against the stigma that is attached to it. Because of that stigma, I got to thinking last Monday. I was scrolling through probably Instagram and I saw one of my friends post about it and I started thinking most of these awareness days that we have, whether it's Happy Cat Day or Mental Health Day, you have people on social media saying Valentine's Day should be every day or Mother's Day should be every day. So that kind of took my train of thought to, wait, I need to do more to expose and free the stigma that is attached to mental health. Every day it seems more and more probably because of social media in itself that we're exposed to people who are more open about their mental health issues, whether they have them or whether they know somebody that does have them and they want to help them and they don't know how to. There's so many different angles to look at it. So I got this idea that I really wanted to focus my podcast and have a theme for the month of October and dedicate it to mental health awareness, advocacy, and just general conversations with people that I know. And when that idea sparked in my brain, I thought of at least 10 people that I know, including myself, that would probably be willing to openly talk about their issues and in the hopes of not only using it as a form of catharsis for themselves, but also maybe helping somebody else. Maybe it's a random person listening. You know, I have random listeners from Japan. (laughs) Shout out to you guys. Um, And maybe talking about mental health will help somebody across the globe. No matter what it is, I think it's very important that mental health becomes a topic of conversation that's normal and not attached to this taboo where if you talk about having mental health issues, you're crazy. That is how this idea came about. So I quickly decided that I was going to go live on Instagram the next day after I had this revelation and this idea. So I went live on Instagram and I told all of you guys, or whoever was watching, (laughs) that I was going to dedicate this month to mental health awareness. And then a few days later, I posted on Instagram and Facebook asking if any of my friends were interested in being part of this project and being on the podcast, whether that's actually being on an episode and talking to me about whatever they want to talk about, or if you just want to shoot me an email, give me a story, something you want to share with me, whether it's anonymous or whether you want me to share your name. And much to my surprise, I had so many people message me and say, I really, really want to do this. I really want to share my story. I really want to talk about post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, postpartum depression and anxiety, suicidal thoughts, substance abuse, emotional abuse, everything. And that's the beauty about mental health is that there's so much that falls under the umbrella, which means that a lot of people suffer from the same things. And again, I think it's important that we all talk about it as if it's normal because it is. I mean, statistically, you know somebody that suffers from a mental health issue or a mental illness, and that's okay. It doesn't make you crazy or annoying or attention-seeking by any means. And I think being open about it and the more open we are about it, it's sort of a way to not only cope with it, but become more comfortable with with ourselves and 
maybe help the next person. And with the amount of people that approached me about it from all over the world, which is incredible, this is definitely gonna be more than a month long theme for my podcast. It's probably gonna be ongoing because I have so many people interested and I wanna actually, I really wanna dedicate time and a lot of effort to doing this well and not just saying, okay, let's do it, let's do it really quickly. I'll, I'll do 10 minutes of you and you tell me five, you know, I, I really wanna do it well. So this is likely going to be way longer than a month long thing. Um, I will still be doing regular episodes aside from that, but this is definitely going to be something that I'm going to focus on for a good amount of time because it's so important and there's so many people that want to talk to me and I'm just so grateful. And especially for me, uh, as somebody who has anxiety and suffers from depression and all these things, I know how hard it is for people to even message you privately. And there's people that have messaged me privately and also publicly commented on a Facebook post of mine, you know, and I think that is just incredible and the vulnerability that it takes to do that and to expose yourself to that is just, it's beautiful and I'm, I'm going to do this right for you guys. So with that being said, my first episode is really special. Today's special guest is a really good friend of mine who I have known since high school. Uh, we weren't really close in high school necessarily, uh, but we got really close after we graduated college and moved back to our hometown in South Florida. So this episode is a conversation with my friend David Kirsch, and I hope you guys enjoy it because it's incredible. He is a just all around amazing person. He's super strong. He's been through so much and he has a lot of insight. And not only has he managed to find a way to cope with the feelings that he faces and the things that he battles on a day-to-day -day basis. But as you'll listen throughout the episode, he does a lot of things to make sure that other people feel the same way, if even if they don't have resources and the resources that he's had in his life to be able to recognize his emotions and regulate them. So I hope you guys enjoy it. And here we go. Welcome to my show. How do you feel being on your first I'm, podcast? I'm honored. I'm honored <laughs> to be on the podcast. Is this the first time uh, you're on a podcast? I'm just assuming. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think this is actually the first time I'm going to be broadcasted for people to listen to, and uh, I'm excited, especially uh, about you know the topics we'll be discussing. Yes. So I, I would like you to just give a brief, maybe, introduction, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, maybe some fun facts, whatever you think is relevant. My name is David, uh, and I will be 32 years old in a few weeks. Um, I'm a big fan of college football and hockey, and I love taking baths. You do. <laughs> well, first off, I want to thank you for being on the podcast. And I think the mental health topic is obviously something really difficult for anyone to talk about. But I'm happy to start off this sort of theme of the podcast with you, especially because I feel like you and I have always sort of a lot of our friendship has centered around us being really open about mental health and our own issues. Um, even back like in our, in our live journal days when we would like post whatever, 
emo lyrics. I know I used to post, um, like, bright eyes every day. You probably would post, like, saves I, uh, the day. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I, don't, I think, like, you know, you're at, you're actually allowed to pick, like, what mood you're in. Like, yeah. I don't think I ever picked a happy mood, like, ever. In oh, my yeah. Life, uh, history. The mood. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about oh, that. Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so, so funny. Um, definitely, um, you know, remember those times. And, uh, you know, it's it's cool that, you know, all these years later, you know, we can still talk about that stuff. And, you know, mostly with a different perspective now that we're older. Yeah, it's crazy because I remember we would, you know, we would always talk. But back then, we never we never would, like, discuss it. And I'm talking about high school. Um, we never actually, I don't, I don't remember at least me ever using the word depression. I would just always be like, I'm really sad and like, I hate life or whatever, like fuck everything. I don't know. Like, I just, I don't know if maybe depression wasn't really a term that was so loosely used, even though that's clearly what we were. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, at our age, it also would just be described more as like teenage angst and stuff like that. Exactly. Like at least to the to like the, the, I guess just to sound like a random to a random person at least, but um, you know obviously there was a lot more to that, um, which we found out as we got older um, when there were when I think there were more readily available things to look at and, and learn about, mm-hmm. uh, and it seems like that's growing even more, um, you know, in twenty eighteen. Yeah. I think, you know, like you said, teenage angst, that's a good way to put it. I think we all had that just because whatever, like everyone goes through that and then our hormones are all over the place at that age. But so everyone has, you know, that those emotional issues. But I think what would set us apart from the other, I guess, maybe people that don't have mental health issues would be how we handled our angst, you know. And um, I think that probably sets apart depression from just normal teenage angst maybe right for sure and i guess at that point i mean we can certainly be confused for each other but Mm -hmm. um looking back it definitely seemed like periods of depression more than um just being a teenager yeah like that shit is not normal (laughs) or it shouldn't be at least so i want to ask you some questions and the first question I want to ask you is, what is depression to you? How would you describe it? I think an example, and this is actually like a real life example, um, you know, just not really having anything occurring in my life that would be deemed negative, especially at the moment, you know, getting tickets to go see your favorite band and being there and just not being happy. You know, they're playing, like, your favorite songs, and you're just, you just don't care. And it's a very, it's just a very hard feeling to describe, because, like, it's hard to explain, like, why you'd be unhappy if you were seeing some, a band that you, like, really liked. Mm -hmm. So, um, I feel like, for me, like, that's, like, an example, but I I think some of the other things that, that come with it are, you know, not enjoying things you used to enjoy, uh, like sports or music or you know whatever it is that, that, you, that you used to enjoy um, you know having issues with concentration having trouble remembering things um, to me these are just a few of the things that uh, at least 
occur in my life uh, that can be very frustrating and I do believe is a direct result of depression. Yeah, the way that you phrased, like, not necessarily having anything negative in your life, for example, going to a concert and something you should really be pumped to, you know, enjoy, and you're just sitting there and you're, like, not singing along and whatever. It's, it sounds like just major disconnection from reality, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I think that there's something to that statement because it does almost feel like this can't be real. Like, like, like feeling this way, it just seems so ludicrous to, to, to feel that way. So um, I definitely think there is a little bit of separation from reality when you know, you're going through any mental illness, yeah. um, depression, anxiety, bipolar, you name it. I definitely think there's you know, and it's unfortunate because I feel like at times you maybe don't even trust yourself because, like, am I making this decision rationally? Like, like does this even make sense? Or is it the clouds in my brain kind of pointing me in this direction? So you have, like, an inability to trust your own judgment. At times, yeah. I mean, for me, though, like, the way I've been able to kind of deal with that is just tell myself that I'm not going to make a decision on this right now and it'll, I'll revisit it, um, you know, when I'm feeling better. You know, this could be, I mean, this could be like an impulse buy even, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, I saw that, you know, $500, you know, whatever online, I'm going to go buy it right now. So, uh, so even things like that could be just lapses in judgment that can be scary. I mean, depending on what the situation uh, could be, I mean, it's, it, depending on what situation you're in and, I don't know, say you're in a situation where you have, like, $10,000 and you're just going to blow it impulsively, you know? Um, not that I've ever done that, but <laughs> I guess it could happen to yeah. anyone, you know? For sure. What was the first time you ever remember, I guess, depression being discussed as a topic in your life? You know, the actual term, I, 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 I would guess maybe sometime in high school. Um, and that was only because I, I was taking AP psychology. Um, you know, I think I was not really exposed to that actual term and if anything, didn't really know what it meant. Uh, you know, if what I was feeling was that, Mm -hmm. uh, which I later found out that what I was feeling was depression. Um, but I'm not really sure, you know, overall, outside of AP psychology, really being exposed to that term. And when did you realize that you suffered from depression? I don't know if you remember maybe a, a moment where it kind of clicked that connection between what you learned in AP psychology and your own experiences in your own life and your own emotions. I didn't know at the time, but now it makes a lot more sense. But I would say when I was about 11 years old, something seemed a little off. Um, I was really sensitive. You know, definitely had some thoughts that just seemed very irrational and while most kids were spending time on the weekends hanging out with their friends I felt like I was just at home playing video games and literally getting home on a Friday afternoon and not leaving my house until like Monday to go back to school and this was something that would go on throughout middle school uh, maybe even it, it even went through some of my some of my high school years as well and I don't really 
definitely know exactly the moment, but like I definitely knew something was off for most of those years. So when you, I guess, realized that you were depressed, did you talk to anyone about it? When I was a, a freshman in college, uh, I went and saw somebody. You know, it didn't really seem like the person really wanted to get to know me. It was almost like very business-like. So anyway, when I saw someone and then ended up being uh, prescribed a low dose of an antidepressant and basically told to just wait six weeks to see if anything happened. So really wasn't a great experience overall because I didn't really feel like I was really learning anything. But that was the first time I did actually talk to someone uh, after pretty much going through it for seven years before uh, I did anything about it. Wow. Um, if you don't mind me asking, I kind of, I'm, I'm, I guess, curious because I've, I've tried antidepressants once and I think I gave it about a month and I don't remember it really helping me or me feeling anything. Is there anything you remember feeling differently at all? I think that I was less emotional. Uh, I didn't really have the ups and downs, I guess. It was just very more like flatlined, which unfortunately made it harder to you know feel happiness because you just kind of didn't really feel much of anything so it just made you feel like indifferent yes very oh whatever you know like it's okay whatever whatever happens happens like so what is your day-to-day like usually on most mornings i I wake up with some sort of sense of self-doubt hit the snooze along a few times usually and you know eventually you know psych myself to get up and, uh, and go about the day. You know, so usually the first hour, hour and a half can be a little harder. You know, and once I get in the groove, I'm, you know, and, and I'm awake and I'm going to work and stuff, I, I definitely feel feel better. But um, it does make for a very exhausting day sometimes. Not every day, but sometimes because you do feel like you may have to work harder to, you know, feel... In the, you know, at least in a decent mood where, you know, and, and obviously you have to, you know, talk to coworkers and, and get work done and talk to bosses and it can definitely be a little overwhelming from that front. And, you know, I think the thing that I've realized is just that, you know, I don't think depression ever truly goes away. You just try and manage it the best you can. You know, I, I have periods of time where I'll have flashes of clarity that could last for weeks and then all the periods where I feel like nothing's really working uh, in my brain and you know part of that is me being hard on myself mm-hmm. but I do truly feel sometimes that that's what it is that I just you know it just, it just doesn't seem like things are clicking yeah it sounds like just a lot of like fake it till you make it stuff and like it can get really exhausting. I totally I totally understand and I I definitely agree that I don't think it ever goes away. I don't think you know, I'm I know a lot of people have probably told you in your life like, "Oh, just be happy. It's okay. Your life is great. Like just get over it." And that's just not how it works. It's it's a chemical imbalance and you can't just take a pill and it's going to go away because even like you just said the antidepressants you took, which is really the only medication that's available (laughs) um it doesn't even cure you it just kind of disconnects you more in a way but like makes you feel like the disconnection 
maybe isn't a big deal or something. I don't know. He definitely does that, and you know, I, I don't think I, I don't think that you can just be happy or choose to be happy. Like, I think you can do things and and, and that might make you feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact of the matter is, some people are just naturally happier than other people. Yeah, like you know, you you meet those people throughout your life that are just you know you know have a lot of spunk and energy and are not everyone and it's not that easy and some people are not as resilient as others I mean there's so many factors at play with this whole thing here and unfortunately it's the one thing you know that you can't really measure as of yet you know it's not a broken leg or a broken bone in your hand or whatever where you can you know, you, think, you know what needs to be done to, to, to recover. Mm-hmm. And this is just the one thing that just is not like that. And it's uh, very difficult, uh, I guess, at the moment to figure out, you know, what... Th- there's no one-size-fits-all, so what's going to happen? You know, how are we going to figure out what's going to work for everyone? Yeah. And, you know, I do think there's been a lot of progress, but, you know, mental health is not going anywhere. So I remember, I, it was probably, I don't know, years ago, you started posting more on Facebook about, like, your depression and stuff, and I just remember being so, of course, proud, because you're my BBY, you know, and, like, I just love, I just love how open you are, and just, you don't, you just don't care about what people think, and I think that's great, and mostly because I know that you at one time did, and it's awesome to see that you don't anymore because that's how it should be. So have you always been open about depression? I guess not, you didn't always realize you had it, but like once you actually were in college and everything, like you mentioned, were you able to open up with at least friends and things like that? Yeah, I I mean, I think for the most part, I was always pretty open with my friends about it. So I think, um, you know, towards the end of college, I just, there was really no point in hiding it like, if I was hiding it with, with meeting girls or hiding it in front of my friends or hiding it in a family function or whatever, it's like, you're going to have to hide it forever. Be open about it. Right. So why am I going to live this lie? And, you know, I think I knew that it might turn some people away, but at that point, people would know where I, was, where I stood. I think a lot of it also yeah. comes from the fact that we've been conditioned to think that depression is weakness and we shouldn't talk about it because it means that we were like these emotional people who have no control and all this stuff and I think I think with time and the fact that people are more open about it and we're learning more about it and we're being honest with ourselves about it we've realized at least me I don't I don't think of depression as a weakness I think if anything that it's the opposite and I think people with depression are stronger because of the battles they have to fight every day. And, you know, just going through the day, like getting through the day, waking up, going to sleep, getting things done, like that's a huge feat for people who feel so deeply. So if once you remove that, once you remove that stigma of like depressed people are like crazy, whatever, you kind of understand and you're like, oh, okay, I don't care. Like, let me just be free about it because there's no reason to hide it. Next question. What is your biggest struggle in life and how do you cope with it or 
get through the day? I don't think this is something that I struggle with really anymore, but I will say that it played a huge factor, I feel like, in my depression growing up, and that's feeling, like, socially behind people. Like, if, if, if um, you know, if, if you're in eighth grade and you have friends and you do things that eighth graders do, like, I felt like I was still in, like, sixth grade, like, socially. I, I, I don't know, like, why that happened, but I felt like it had a huge impact on me. Um, you know, there were, there were times where, like, you know, I never really spoke in class, you know, for fear of, like, my face turning red, things like that. Um, you know, there was one time in, in high school, in ninth grade, where, you know, I, I had been friends with someone online for, like, years, like, since we were in, like, elementary school. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, because... Uh, my brother and her sister were friends and like just like going to say hi to this person was something that like I thought about the entire day even though I knew I was going to go say hi to her it was so crazy looking back on it like how you know just behind I felt in that like the fact that I couldn't even like I'm planning to say hi to someone like the most basic thing why did that feel like yeah like why did that have to be like that so this carried with me this this feeling of being behind for sure probably until I was junior or senior in college and I think that was just I was just lucky really there because I just stopped kind of caring um about any of that stuff and you know just started acting like me so I think that coping with it um through all of those years you know unhealthy coping mechanisms yeah secluding myself even more and you know putting headphones on and you know saying fuck the world basically so that was one of my biggest struggles and do you still struggle with that but maybe find that you've learned after so long that you just manage it but you still get flashes of like that awkwardness maybe before you're gonna go talk to a girl or even i don't know do a presentation at work things like that it happens but, but it really is a rare thing now could be even like going um you know going to a restaurant and walking around and, and getting the you know the waiter you know like the fear is just really isn't there anymore that's awesome is, <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know like how that happened but you know i'm glad it you know at almost 32 years old that you know something that really really had a huge impact on me seems to have subsided That's really good to hear because I think I still kind of suffer from that social awkwardness. Like I, I get really uncomfortable around big groups of people and I, you know, it depends on who it is and and what mental state I'm in at the time, but I still struggle with that. And I think in my case, I've just learned to manage it and I, and I know what not to do. Like I know not to get stoned before going out, you know, or else I'm going to just want to go home. Right. Right. Well, I think also the thing that's helped me is like, a lot of people may, may feel awkward, you know, upon many people. And, you know, if you just, for me, it was a kind of one of those things where, like, if I just took the initiative and said, hey, I'm David, or whatever the case may be, maybe I'm helping the situation in general because maybe that other person felt pretty, like, awkward about it. So I know a few years back, 
I think, right? You started volunteer work centered around mental health. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Because that really interests me. So, being someone that struggles from depression, I always wanted to get involved in the field. You know, it wasn't my major or anything. And truthfully, I don't know if I could do it as a career because of the emotional toll mm-hmm. it could possibly take on me. But uh, I volunteer at a place called Nine Muses. It's a facility that centered around mental health. Uh, they do a lot of their healing uh, through the arts. They do a lot of music and, you know, paintings and all sorts of cool stuff. Um, they also have a, a phone line that you can call into that allows people to, you know, if they need an outlet, they can just talk about whatever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we can't offer actual advice to these people, but we're able to share our own life experiences and share you know, situations that we may have been in that are similar or whatever the case may be. I mean, I, the thing is, a lot of these people just look forward to having someone to talk to. Right. Um, and they probably can't afford, they probably can't afford an actual therapist. Exactly. For sure. Some of these people call multiple lines. Like, they'll call, like, three or four lines a night and talk to three or four different people because they just want someone to talk to. And, you know building rapport with some of these people over time, I feel like has made me realize that connection really is the most important thing. And there's a woman I speak to almost every week that you know, tells me how much the call means to her and you know how it makes her want to do good in the world and, and all these things. And, you know, I'm sitting here spending 15 minutes of my day trying to be positive with someone and they're in turn potentially doing that for someone else. Mm-hmm. who potentially could do that for someone else. And this chain keeps going, and you keep being there for each other and connecting with people, and you spread that into the world instead of just awful, the awful things that we can do and the, you know, the shit-talking and the bitterness and all of these things that we don't need to spread. And I think I've learned that being vulnerable... You know, really is an important thing in the world because it allows you to connect with people. You know, if you meet someone and, you know, I don't want to talk about, you know, the Kardashians with someone when I meet them. Yeah. I want to talk about, you know, them. There's always, you know, there's a way to connect with everyone. It's, it's there. You may, you may not know exactly what it is when you first meet them, but there's a way to connect with everyone. And I think this, this uh, volunteering has really helped me realize a lot of that and in turn I've been able to put some um, some of my own things into, into actual practice uh, with connecting with people wow that's really beautiful I th- and I totally agree that vulnerability is so important and that's for example I, I when I decided to do this whole mental health theme on my podcast and I reached out or you know, made a little announcement about if anybody would like to participate and share a story, whatever. I had a lot of people and still have a lot of people come and say, yeah, they want to participate, whether it's like sharing a story or being on the actual show, whatever. And I, I was reflecting on that today that it's really hard for people. I, I think, especially if you have a mental illness, but just humans in general, it's really hard to be vulnerable like that. And I just feel really happy that even one person is willing to be 
open and vulnerable with me. And I know that it, I know that that probably does stem from what you're saying, where we just need to like spread love. And that's the only way to do it is to be vulnerable. I mean, who knows the impact you're going to have by doing this? I mean, you could, it could be hundreds or thousands of people that, who knows, like that end up just being impacted by this. Yeah, I think that's what it's all about, really. I think we're here to connect with each other and and help each other. We lost that somewhere along the way. We did, because I feel like everything is about like our egos and all these things and we've lost that ability to really connect with people. Cause like you said, it's very easy to get lost in like gossip and, and like comparing yourself to other people or other people to the next person and talking crap. And, and we've just forgotten how to actually connect with each other via love and not hate. Definitely. That's well said. I do think that everyone has some sort of mental illness but I do think it impacts people differently. Some people, if they're experiencing something, it may make it so that they're unable to work. It may, it, they may cope with it by doing drugs. I mean, they may be able to, you know, work Monday through Friday, make all the money they need, and then, you know, deal with drugs and alcohol the whole weekend. I do think that all of these behaviors do come from what I classify as everyone having some sort of mental illness. It's just some people, it impacts them in ways that are a lot more difficult to deal with than others. Mm-hmm. And some people end up losing their job and, and other things because of it. So I feel like a lot of people don't want to admit that they have a problem or that they're weak because that's what mental illness is. It's weakness or that's how it's seen. So not, you know, people don't want to come to terms with that. But I think you're totally right. I mean... This is a very hippie thought and a hippie way to think about it, but just think about the emotional toll that everything that's happened in history has probably taken on our brains as humans. Like, it's impossible that we have the ability to cope and and manage our emotions when there's so many of them and when there's so many things that have happened and so much buildup of sadness and destruction and, and all this stuff. Like, everybody has something, you know? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So what are the things that you've done to, like, cope with everything, to get through the day and feel good? Eating healthy, getting some sort of physical activity, and spending less time on social media. That one's um, super important. <laughs> I think having a strong support group is one of the biggest things that's helped me. But I am a huge believer in doing what works for people. So if... That is medication. Um, If you're a very religious person and that helps you cope, I am a strong believer in figuring out what works and not worrying about anything else because you can sit here and say, oh, well, medication, I'm going to be taking this my whole life and it's going to impact this and it's going to impact that. Mm -hmm. It's like it might, it might not. Who knows? But who cares? Like, Mm -hmm. if you feel good in the moment. Yeah. I guess going back to the beginning of the conversation where you said depression never really goes away, I think one of the things that really sucks about it is that we have these like highs and lows and we can be really good one day and then or one week or one month and then we have a period of time where we fall off the wagon, quote unquote, and you just feel like you're back in square one and you have to rebuild this and 
The way that I deal with it is that I've found after going through the cycle so many times is that I keep in mind and I I hold on to and, and recognize that, hey, I've been here before. I've gotten out of it and I kind of hold on to that and use it as motivation to just keep going and keep going and hold on to the things that I know work for me and try not to fall back onto the things that I know are going to keep bringing me down. And I think being aware of that, making a conscious effort to do it, there's been plenty of times for me where, you know, I'll, like, I'll, get, I'll get in on super good shape and I'll be going great for like a year. And then in two months, I'll ruin it all. Oh, and, yeah. I recently did that. <laughs> you know, I think, right, and, and it's it's crazy, right, because you know every day that you're doing it. Yeah. Like, you know, you're, you're, you're like, I know I'm doing this, so, so why don't I just change it? And it's a very difficult thing to process, I feel like, because it just seems so simple, but it's just not. <laughs> It's, it's really not. It's, uh, it's almost like you feel like you're, it's like an addiction. It, it 100% is. That I, I truly believe it is, for sure. And like, for example, I what you mentioned about being in really good shape and then falling off for a few months and going back to square one, I recently did that. And this is like my week number two of not binge eating every night and not going back to habits that I know are going to keep me down. And I feel really good. And I think one of the hardest things is, you know, you keep saying, okay, I'm going to start tomorrow. I'm going to start tomorrow. And then finally you psych yourself into actually starting tomorrow and you start. So, you know, all of the last two weeks I've been going out to run. So I've been building up and I feel really good and I'm eating healthier. I, you know, I'm doing all these things that I know are going to make me feel good because it's, I've been through it before. It's not new. But the other day I was in the shower and a lot of the times I avoid looking at my body just because it upsets me. And I was looking, you know, I was looking at my stomach or something in the shower and I just like, I still felt kind of bloated. And, and these are things that upset me because I'm like, oh, I've put all this effort into like getting up every morning and going for a run and I'm sore and all this stuff. And I still feel like really horrible and I still look at myself and I'm not happy and i feel bad but then I noticed that it's my my perspective and just my general the way that I treat myself is changing and the fact that I'm trying to be more soft with myself and not as hard on myself where this time I, I looked at myself and I thought those negative things and then I quickly thought okay like Rome wasn't built in a day you have to really stick with it you've done this before you know you're not gonna you know, get your abs back or whatever you want in a week or two. And especially now at age 30, it's not going to take even a month anymore. Um, and, but I'm, so I'm like really happy that I've, I'm sort of, I guess with time and, and wisdom, I, I'm able to deal with those feelings better because before the way I would cope with it is like, oh, like, I feel like shit anyway and I'm putting all this effort and nothing's happening and then I would say okay let me just order a pizza or something and I would like eat an entire pizza and then start next week and then the whole thing would happen again until I really really hit rock bottom and like so I think it I think being really like you said clear about those things that 
are the good habits that get you where you want to be and where you need to be. You have to really make that clear, whether it's like writing it down every day, hanging it up on your wall, just really reminding yourself every day that it's worth it, even if it's hard or whatever. In the long run, you're going to feel really good. And it's okay if you go through months where you're not necessarily doing them. I mean, that's not ideal, but you can't be hard on yourself for falling back because that's just how it is and it's going to happen and you just have to get through it. Agreed. And you should be proud of yourself for these two weeks. Thanks. I, I, I mean, I, I think that, I think like in general, there's, you know, the, the compound effect where exactly. small changes spread out over long periods of time turn into big changes. So one thing I remember we used to talk about a lot, and I haven't talked about this with you in a while, and I don't know if you've if you've like done any more experiments, but I remember you were really interested in microdosing ketamine and shrooms, right? As a form of treatment. Yes. Tell me more about that. Yes. I haven't microdosed uh, ketamine or anything like that, but uh, I have done it a few times. Uh, there was one time in particular, which was actually the first time I did it. I think I've done it like three times maybe. Uh, it was the first time I'd done it, and it was, uh, I took an really large dose of it apparently and I actually felt awful <laughs> um but the next day like I remember there was like a four-day period where I just felt like incredible and just like I don't know super productive like I don't know everything was great it was it was a feeling I never felt before so after that you know I, I started reading more about it and you know there's people online that swear that you know they've been depressed for 40 years and you know, started getting uh, intravenous ketamine into their system. They'll do that for like a week every day, and then they'll feel good for like six months. Wow. And just really crazy stories out there. So, you know, I, I, I think after reading about that, I was able to conclude that those four days were definitely as a result of that. I mean, I don't see what, why they wouldn't be. Um, you know, there's as far as shrooms go, mushrooms do, there's plenty of stories out there about people that um, are microdosing, which is uh, essentially taking a small dose of mushrooms um, maybe once every like three or four days. Uh, the goal of this is not to be tripping or anything like that. Uh, you really don't, actually. It's, it's more of just something that the people have been doing that has shown to you know, increase mental focus, uh, increase happiness, things seem brighter, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, there, there really is so much out there um, about these things. And, and, you know, there's also, you know, with shrooms in general, um, which I find to be an amazing drug um, overall for, for mental health, um, you know, people that'll, that'll have, like, really bad PTSD, and they'll, they'll go on, like, a, a mushroom trip with, like, a therapist. So, like, the therapist is actually talking to the person while they're tripping. Mm -hmm. And it'll be, like, an intense, like, 12-hour session. And then they'll feel really good for, like, months because they they think of it as, like, a reverse PTSD. Like, there's, they're experiencing such a great moment with the therapist for those long periods that it almost, like, takes over the, the bad memories. There. Again, it goes back to what I said earlier we got to figure out what works. Yeah. If getting an ID of ketamine into your system once every six months helps you, we'll think about the consequences later. And there may not even be any. 
so I just feel like we need to move in that direction. It sounds like you need to come to Peru and do ayahuasca. There you go. That'll be the the next, when I return to the podcast, it'll be live from the ayahuasca. Live from the Peruvian jungle. That's uh, that's all I got for for the night. (laughs) Do you want to maybe share your social media or something? I don't know. That's what people do on podcasts. I don't know if you care about that. Um, my Instagram is, is my name, uh, which is David, middle initial is E, and my last name is Kirsch, K-I-R-S-C-H, so David E. Kirsch, and... What about you know, your Twitter? Eh, you know, the, the, the Twitter's on the DL, you know. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, <laughs> my Twitter is, uh, is Trusty and True, uh, that's the, that's the handle there, and on Facebook, you can find me as Dave Kirsch, it was really fun, and... Thank you for allowing me to come on here, and you know I'm looking forward to hearing other people's stories. Uh, I think this is a really cool thing you're doing, and I'm excited. You know, I'm excited. Right? I think, I think, I think people are, you know, people are. I mean, I am interested in hearing other people's stories. You me know? too. Like, I'm I, really excited. I, I'm sure a lot of pe- I'm sure a lot of people are as well. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to thank you not only for sharing tonight, but I I want to thank you for always sharing and being open with me about these things and with everyone else. And I feel like you have such a huge impact on everyone and your domino effect of connection is definitely noticeable. So thank you for that. That's we, oh. the world needs more DKs for sure. Oh, I love you. Sweet. I appreciate that. Um, we're, gonna, we're all going to keep fighting. You know? We're going to fight the good fight. Gonna... Like, like Chris Caraba said, we got to oh, fight yeah. the good fight. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. Dashboard confessional. Sleep with all the lights. Living in your letters. What would it be now? It's like living in your DMs. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that's awesome. I'm about about due for a uh, for a dashboard uh, a dashboard session. And aren't we all? Uh, I think it was pretty appropriate that we ended that talking about Dashboard Confessional because of our emo past as little high schoolers, David and I. I hope you guys really enjoyed and most of all learned at least one thing um, about depression from this short conversation. I honestly think it went way, way better than expected. Not that I didn't expect David to illuminate my audience, it's just... I don't know. I, I'm just really proud of everything, you know, the way, the, the things that he shared, the education that he provided, the insight that he provided to me and hopefully to you guys and just all around. I'm, I'm really excited for everyone to, to hear this. So this is, again, my first episode of the Mental Health Project and the next episode, which I might be putting up later this week because it's pretty much ready is going to be a conversation with a friend of mine, Carolina, who has borderline personality disorder. And if you're like me, I really didn't know what that even meant up until about a year ago, and I didn't really know much outside of the general definition of it up until yesterday when I interviewed her. And the interview is really interesting. Now, the special part about the interview is that it's going to be my first episode in Spanish. So Spanish speakers, tune in, share with your friends. And if you don't speak Spanish, tune in anyway. Who knows? You might understand something. So yeah, I'll leave you with that. And I, again, hope you really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for 
having an interest in mental health. I think, like I said in the beginning, it's really hard for people to accept it as something normal and not just brush it off as, oh, people are crazy, people are attention-seeking. That's not what it is. And I'm here to remove the stigma of that. And again, I'm open to anyone and everyone who wants to share a story with me, who wants to come on the podcast, whether you're in Peru where I am right now, or you're in the US, or you're in Japan, or you're in Australia, wherever you are, we can make it happen. So until next time, this is Sharkasm Radio. Make sure to subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also find me on Instagram at Sharkasm and on Facebook. And of course, my page is called Sharkasm Radio. So give that a like or a follow as well if you want to keep up with the latest episodes. Bye.